0: First of all, call an ambulance immediately and take me to the customer. So I went there and, and I... And this
1: was him. like bang in the middle of the lobby. Exactly.
0: After, when I started realizing what happened, then yes, I felt very proud. But also very relieved that I assisted in keeping somebody alive, keeping him in this world. My drive is to be in there with the people, with my team. So I prefer being in a bigger hotel where it's busy all the time. And it keeps you going. It gives you that extra motive. Well, it hasn't affected work in the sense of the hours I put in, but I learned after my son was born that work issues stay at work.
1: I'm Farah Shamas. Welcome to Hotel Talk. We hope you enjoy listening to this friendly conversation between people connected by Real Life in Hotels. Today, I'm so happy to have with us one of our very own. I'm always happy to be with our team. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons we started this podcast to really let everyone in the world see why people like us do what we do. And today is a classic example of that. I have with us Yamnis de Menegas, who is our food and beverage manager here at St. Raphael Resort and Marina. And among the many stories that we're going to talk about today and learn a little bit more about him and hopefully about the industry, we're going to dive straight in and talk about literally a life-saving experience that happened just a week ago. Yanni, thank you so much for coming down from your office into our studio. I just did a live on Instagram, sharing everyone what it's really like to be in here.
0: Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Good morning to everyone. Looking forward to for this chat.
1: Me too, me too. How are you doing today?
0: Uh, Starting my day like usual. Went around from the breakfast, check everything is okay around the hotel, all the outlets.
1: You definitely get your steps in, that's uh, for sure.
0: <laughs> over 15,000, 16,000 a day.
1: Oh my goodness, it's so good. We don't need to do gym in this hotel. Um, so Yanni, uh, we definitely want to talk a little bit about you and what you do, but I do just want to shake things up and do a little bit of a different programme on this particular episode and dive straight in to a story um, that will most probably shock a lot of people. And that is about saving lives. Um, In any hotel, we see so many people from all over the place come, so many... Ages, so many backgrounds, so many health issues, and um, in so many circumstances. So, we have a lot of stories um, at this hotel. You've worked in many different hotels, so have your own. But specifically, last week, we had a case of a man nearly dying after having a heart attack. And I really want to share with everyone what happened and how you very much helped save that man's life.
0: So, let's take it from the beginning. It was a Thursday morning. Actually, the gentleman and his wife were waiting to do, they had checked out and they were waiting for the bus because they were from a cancelled flight from the night before. Okay, I was in uh, the executive offices. So
1: So just to explain to everyone who's not in the hotel industry listening to this. So um, when some flights are cancelled, obviously, sometimes um, the airlines or the airports arrange a place for those guests to stay. And in this case, these Um, Clients had not been holidaying with us, but had a cancelled flight and they were sent to St. Raphael Resort to spend the night. Um, And then, yeah, checked out and were on their way to the airport.
0: Exactly. So I was in the office uh, talking with Christiane about next week's uh, functions to prepare the schedule. And uh, Procopy from the front office comes and says that Anne is having cardiac arrest. And uh, he's looking for someone who knows first aid. So I told him, first of all, call an ambulance immediately and take me to the customer. So I went there and, and I this found this was
1: like bang in the middle of the lobby.
0: Exactly. I found him uh, laying there on the couch, his tongue out, and his wife in panic next to him, not knowing what to do. So first thing I did was put him uh, to lay down. which On was the floor? And, or? Uh, no, on the couch where okay. he was there. Because I was alone, nobody had come yet. And uh, I went and I called for help. And uh, Andras Jostis was coming up. and He's uh, mm-hmm.
1: our health and safety officer. Exactly.
0: So I lifted his shirt, started connecting the AED, that's the automatic external defibrillator. Uh, Mr. Kilanis, our general manager, also arrived. And the machine told us he needs to be administered an electric shock.
1: Which is amazing. The machines are so,
0: yeah, I mean, so, they've changed. they said so Barnes. They've changed so
1: much really. in the last they're few They're analyzing
0: years. and they're telling you whether he needs or not. And they regulate by themselves the amount of joules, the electric energy that they need to give. So they gave the first shot, it analyzed, and it said we needed to start CPR. So there, without thinking, I just locked my palms in place, which is the procedure you should do, and started counting A1, A2, A3. Up to 30, and then gave him the first 30, and then I instructed Andreas Georges to give him two breaths, because that's 30 to 2. It used to be the standards. Also, a funny point here, the American Heart Association recommends to follow the pace to the song uh, Staying Alive. Ha, 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 staying alive. It's the perfect rhythm to do.
1: It's amazing, yeah.
0: At some point, Mr. Kilines asked me if I'm tired. I was like, not yet. I'll let you know when. When I got tired, we switched. And then the machine said... Because it is a lot of hard it work. It is, it is. You're putting a lot of energy because you have to pump, let's say, around five centimeters. Oh. And in 30% of the cases, you might crack a rib or two. which and in you my said case, you... I, I think I cracked because I heard the sound. Mm. Uh, and then it said, again, don't touch, Analyzing. And at the second analysis, again, it said, recommend to administer an electric shock. So we told everybody not to touch because in case somebody is touching the patient during that time, he'll also get a shock and then he'll go into cardiac arrest because he'll bump his heart out of rhythm. We gave the second shock and we continued with CPR. I changed Mr. Kilanis because he got tired. And then at some point it said, again, don't touch, analyzing. And then it said, no shock required. And at that point I was like, yes. How did he
1: fail then? It,
0: I felt relieved because... All the time while I was doing the CPR, I was thinking, please don't die on me. Please don't die on me. That was the only thought Imagine. coming to my head. and this is
1: someone you don't know exactly. and, you, and you feel so connected and responsible.
0: Actually, after I felt so much more connected, I was constantly asking the rep. I tried to call the hospital. They couldn't give me too much details because of GDPR, yeah. but they told me where he was transferred. But I did see his lovely wife the next day at dinner and I asked her and uh, he underwent uh, stent surgery at the American Medical Center in Nicosia. And from what I know, so far, he's doing okay. So, but he, he left Cyprus, uh, or is no, he still I, here? I don't know yet. Okay. Yeah. For, uh, until uh, Monday, they were still in Cyprus. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tell us, how does that make you feel? Like, we're, you know, eight days after this event now. How has that changed you, Well, if it has changed I you?
0: It definitely has. It makes you realize and value life even more, because you can see that in a second, it can be taken away. Uh... The whole day I was shaking, I don't know, from the adrenaline or from the experience. When I went home in the afternoon, first thing I did was help my kid and actually almost squeeze him. And uh, it will stay with me forever.
1: And did you feel a, a sense of relief, of pride, of, I mean, you saved someone's life. You know, you 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 did. You saved someone's life. They're alive and well because of you. On, How does that make you feel? On
0: the day? No. After, when I started realizing what happened, then yes, I felt very proud but also very relieved that I assisted in keeping somebody alive, keeping him in this world. And imagine if he would have gone on the bus to go to the airport, that, that's what he was waiting for, in the middle of nowhere, or if he was on the flight, or even if the flight wasn't cancelled and he was back home alone with his wife, mm. but didn't know CPR as it turned yeah. out, that man would have been gone now.
1: It really highlights the importance of first aid courses. Um, I know, I think every hotel and big establishment around the world does or should definitely do it for ideally all their staff but definitely at least uh, the majority so at, at any given point there's always someone around that knows it um how did that make you feel about your courses that you've done
0: uh when uh Prokobi came and told me the first thing that kicked in was my training mm. uh, and it's a good thing that it's a repetitive training every two years and In hotels, but not only in hotels, in all areas where there's a lot of people, there should be trained personnel to be able to handle it. And to handle pressure at that point, not to get stressed. And it's a basic thing nowadays. And AEDs really save lives. Mm. So you should have them in key locations. In our hotel, thank God, we have three. We had one at Seashells, Now we have it at the tower. We have at the reception. We have down at the Marina Police. So we're covered. In short distance, you can be there. Yeah. Because you have seven minutes to get to him until brain uh, damage starts to occur. And at the 13th minute, it's permanent. It's irreversible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Change It just changes your life, I think. Um, among so many other things that happen in hotels and that we see. But this is definitely something that will stay with most people who are working that day, I think, forever. Yanni, tell us a little bit about you. Let's go into maybe a more lighthearted, hopefully, Um, part of your journey. Um, So your personal journey, your hotel journey, what do people need to know about you? What sums you up? And how did you get into food and beverage? So
0: So that's a very good opportunity because not many people know this story I'm going to share with you today. Um, I started working in the tourism industry when I was 16 because my father went to work abroad and uh, my mother in order for me to not go around and to control her son's upbringing, through a family friend, put me to work in a summer restaurant. And that's where I first got into the service as a waiter. Uh, Okay, my mom's dreams were for me to be a doctor. And actually, I did study two years of medicine before I realized it wasn't for me. Coming back home, when I didn't tell my parents I quit medicine, I had already done my papers to study hotel management. And I had a huge argument with my parents that ended up with me leaving home Around a month and a half. For the first week, I was actually sleeping in my car and going to work part time in Paralina, if you remember. Used to be under yeah, Park Beach Hotel. Absolutely. And, uh, then uh, next to Guaba, the summer one. I used to shower there, open in the morning. And one day, Mr. Zilnas, the owner, came and found me sharing. We're like, why are you sharing here? Uh, I explained the story to him, and that's why I'm internally grateful. He called Park Beach Hotel, booked me a room for the duration of my stay, and said, come and see me in the afternoon. I went to his office. He was like, what happened? I told him I quit medicine. I want to be a hotel manager. This is my call, my drive. He was like, okay, go study it. I was like, well, because of this, my parents kind of cut me off. So I have to work in order to fund my studies. We're like, no. Have you enrolled somewhere? Yeah, you're going. Like, how? I can't fund it yet. Like, no, I'm going to pay for it. And he paid for my entire hotel management studies.
1: Wow. Yeah. Zin on us. Bless him. Yeah. He's a friend of mine.
0: That's why my parents now, uh, my late father and my mom, they love him so much because he actually took care of their son. I've reconciled with my parents years ago. And uh, we have a lovely relationship. They love their grandson also. But Mr. Zenos is like a second father to me. So whenever he calls, I'm there. So I finished my uh, hotel management studies. I came back as a trainee manager in another five-star hotel. Then I became an FMB manager in another hotel, then operations in a small one, and now here at the Sand Ref.
1: Now you're back to a big hotel with yeah. us. Well, we're very, very happy to have you with our team. So you've been here for um, nearly a nearly year. Nearly a year now, yeah. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're getting there. Just after Christmas, you would have been with us for a year, which is so exciting um, how have you found the change? Because, I mean, you've experienced both now. You've experienced yeah. the very large hotels and being in F&B, which is the biggest department there is. And then you went to a smaller hotel and you were an operations manager. Um, so maybe you got more into the nitty gritty of overall operations, but in a smaller establishment. How have you found the, the differences between the two, working for a smaller um, or a bigger hotel?
0: Well, working as an operations manager in a smaller hotel, I got to see some details of the paperwork and stuff that I wouldn't see as F&B manager. But to be honest, my drive is to be in there with the people, with my team. So I prefer being in a bigger hotel where it's busy all the time and it keeps you going. It gives you that extra motive.
1: And tell us a little bit about the challenges of the food and beverage department
0: well especially in a big hotel the food and beverage department has many challenges because you have a variety of people that you have to please conferences banqueting weddings and the biggest disappointment I would say is that maybe you'll do an event for 500 people 499 are happy but there's that one person that you didn't manage to satisfy and you're like why and next time you try to do better and that keeps you going because you always want everybody to leave with a smile on their face.
1: But there's some people there's just there's an expression, there's no pleasing yeah. everyone. Exactly. You know, there's some people who, who they are just miserable and then you know, we have to remind ourselves And this applies for all walks of life, that it's not personal. Like if someone is that way inclined, then we wish them the best. And, you know, but we can't take it to heart. And that's what I tell all the team, because sometimes I see people who really get hurt. You know, I've seen people come to my office crying because someone's been so mean to them, unnecessarily so. And that's why, yeah, we say you should always choose kindness.
0: Exactly. But, you know, you try, you really try, you give your best to please them. And when you don't, it takes a piece of you.
1: So what are the highlights then of the job?
0: When you see a couple leaving with a smile or a guest writing review about you because you were there for them, you helped them, uh, you made their stay wonderful, a memorable one. So all these little bits make you feel good.
1: Definitely. So come on, let's hit everyone with some funny stories because we have so many. It doesn't have to be from this hotel, from any anything that's happened. So we've been through a very dramatic story. Um, yeah, let's have some funny ones.
0: Well, the first one that pops in mind was uh, Christmas Day, uh, lunch at another five-star hotel. And I was assisting at the door, sitting people down. And a very good friend of mine uh, was the food and beverage uh, service manager there, uh, quality manager, actually. And uh, a gentleman comes, he was like, I have a reservation. And the guy replies, Calispera, says, may I have your name? And the guy says, Calispera. And the gentleman replies, "Calisperas as your name, Calisperas." So the guy's name was actually Calisperas, yeah, Kalispera, but because of my good was evening. foreigner, yeah, he yeah. didn't understand. He thought that he was just saying "good evening." Good
1: evening, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I was cracking up next to him. I was like, "I think the guy's name is Calisperas,"
1: <laughs> uh, Had you heard that as a surname before, no? It because was the not first everyone time for me. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. Oh, how funny! Oh my goodness, I love, I love, uh, the, you know all these things on names. And yeah, sometimes some people have really unfortunate names in a different language, and they don't realize it. And they're really proud of it. And um, yeah, it's so oh my goodness, so funny. I have uh, one that springs to mind, but I won't share it here because it involves quite a lot of swear words. Um, So you're a dad of um, a lovely little boy. How has that shaped you and changed your outlook on life? And Also work, I guess.
0: Well, it hasn't affected work in the sense of the hours I put in. But I learned after my son was born that work issues stay at work. Before, I used to bring them home and always think about them. Or now if I do, I don't share it with the family because I don't want to affect them. Mm -hmm. Now, when I finish work and I go and I see his smile, uh, my son is trilingual. So we try to talk in all three languages because my wife is Hungarian. Like, he might call me sometimes. He's like, Baba, where are you? I'm like, I'm at work. Come home right now. You know, he's so cute, four and a half years old. But when I go home, I try to play with him as much as I can, teach him a bit in Greek, you know, have father-son activities. Mm. Like yesterday, before getting ready to come to work, he was like, Baba, let's fight. And, you know, we we're just playing around. Yeah, I enjoy those moments.
1: Yeah, and just being present. Exactly. like Just in that, in that precious time you have with your family and your child, just really being there with them. Because I think that's... That's something we definitely see in this industry that it requires so much of our time and our physical presence. Um, so many other industries, especially after the pandemic, they 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 got to have the hybrid, you know, working um solution or stay at home more. Whereas for us, there that just doesn't exist. I mean, we can't you can't be an FMB manager and stay home. I no, mean have you have to be, to be here. You yeah, you have to see what's going on. Exactly, you have to be with the people, but um, it is uh, you know a very big reminder that you this the few hours we have at home with our family, they can be worth, you know, a whole whole week of someone being there. As long as you're present and you're really there and you give that quality time, that makes up for everything else. And um and I think it's also so important for our children to be proud of us as well and have role models to look up to.
0: And that's a very true point. And especially I feel so proud when I take it to kindergarten. And he might see a friend that I haven't seen before. And he says, This is my dad. Yeah. And he's proud of it. Yeah. And I'm proud that my son is recognizing that. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing.
1: So, my dear, we're going to end um, this podcast with our tradition. I hope you don't pull out your own question, or it would be funny if you pull out something from your department. So, here's our little crystal bowl with questions Let's that the one. team have pulled together. Shall I read it? Absolutely. You well. you? You've pulled out a big chunky one or I want to read everyone's handwritings. um share with us one experience you had in a hotel and you feel impressed I think that says impressed that's from he impressed, wrote yeah he wrote that's it from Stavros in the maintenance bless so he actually let us know who who asked that question so share with us one experience you had in a hotel could be any um and you felt impressed
0: uh, well, it was around six years ago. I think it was uh, elections for European Parliament. It was another five-star hotel I was working at that time. And uh, we organized the pre-election campaign uh, of that uh, future European MP. And he was uh, elected. But during the campaign, at the end, I didn't expect it from a politician. He turned around and thanked me and the team for organizing that. And I was really impressed because... It changed my point of view for some politicians. It, it showed that, that he noticed. wasn't selfish. He he acknowledged the hard team, the hard work that was put by the team into bringing this event forward.
1: You know what? That's the second time um, someone on this podcast has yeah. said something like that. Also, Sagis, who was our and previous food and beverage manager. And that was a very interesting podcast that we did. But he also said when, um, in, during the conversation it came up, like points that had touched him. And he mentioned that when we did a, the huge, I think it was our 30th anniversary party and I stood up and I thanked him. And to be honest, I don't even really remember doing it. I just, it was such a big event. Um, but I did I mean, I meant it. I always mean what I say. And he said that meant so much at the time to be thanked personally. And it's really a, uh, a big reminder now what you're saying for us all that it really doesn't take a lot of time out of our day you know wherever we are in life even if it's to be in a shop and tell someone thank you so much for helping me or um I was like giving people random compliments like you know oh your tie's nice or you know I like the way you did your makeup today just the really simple things in the worst case scenario someone doesn't care or brushes it off or it means nothing to them but in the best case scenario, which is most of the time, that will make someone's day, make someone's week, month, year, or like in your case, I mean, so many years in this industry and you remember that one comment from someone who meant it at the time and that really yeah gave you and your team so much encouragement. So there we go. Be kind. We're back to that Radiate sentiment. Kindness. Radiate kindness.
0: A small thank you goes a long way, especially in our industry, especially for our people that are out there on the floor all the time. And that's the way I try to lead always with a nice word good morning to everyone nice compliment to boost their morale absolutely Yanni. thank you so much for your time today it was a pleasure being here
1: have a great day